Grace to you and peace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Jennifer was mentioning, my name is Clay McCauley, and I serve as Director for Alumni Development for Union Presbyterian Seminary here in Richmond and Charlotte. So I bring greetings to you from President Brian Blunt, the students, faculty, and staff of our institution. And now that things are opening up again, if you have opportunity to come to the campus located here in Richmond in Ginter Park on Brook Road, we would love to show you around and introduce you to students. Full classes will begin in September on campus, but also virtually for those who are unable to come to campus. And also, I wanted to mention that I'm preaching not only this week, but next week, and I think I jumped the gun and sent some of the information for next week's homily this week, and so that's why there's a little confusion from your bulletin. Rather than looking at Second Corinthians, we'll be looking at Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the second chapter, which I'll read for you. The basic thing to understand about what Paul is saying here in the second chapter is he's addressing a dividing wall of hostility that has begun to exist, not only at Ephesus, but in other churches throughout Mesopotamia. And that division basically was people of faith, those who had come to Christ in the Jewish tradition, as Christ and the disciples and apostles were Jewish Christians, and those who came outside of the Jewish faith who were known as Gentiles, and they were arguing about what is the most proper way to serve Christ. And so Paul is writing to them, not only at Ephesus, but in other churches. And here's what he says, beginning in the second chapter, verse 13, we'll be looking at what is our peace? But now, Paul says, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for Christ is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is, the broken down, the, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So Christ came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father, so then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, in him the whole structure is joined together 
and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place of God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Would you pray with me? Guide us, O Lord, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, that in your truth we may find freedom, and that in your will we may discover our peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So here again what Paul says, Christ came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who are near. Well, it's no fun being an outsider. It's no fun being estranged or feeling estranged from someone else, is it? Yet sometimes we find ourselves sort of like on the outside looking in, so to speak, and occasionally we are placed or place ourselves on the wrong side of what I call a dividing wall of hostility with someone else. And it happens in a variety of ways. It can happen with a former friend. It can happen with a family member. It happens at times with one we've loved. It can happen even with an acquaintance. So I ask you, what do we do when that happens? Do we just simply shrug our shoulders and accept estrangement or hostility for what it is, a condition of life at times that divides us from others? We say, that's just the way life is. Or do we sometimes pray, perhaps, that God will bring an end to the conflict we have with others and pray that the other person may see the light and come to recognize that she or he is wrong? <laughs> That's an easy thing to do. Or do we look within ourselves and address the issues of hostility and estrangement from the inside out, asking God simply to help us see. Carl Jung, the Swiss psychologist, once said, Who looks outside dreams, and who looks inside awakes? So what is our peace? In his circular letter, and that is a letter that actually Paul was not only writing to Ephesus, but was writing it, and then they were circulating it to all the other churches. So unlike some of the other letters, like 2 Corinthians, which is to a particular church, this is written to a church and to several churches because they're all dealing with that same problem. The problem is of what divided them as Jewish Christians, those who were belonging to God's chosen people who might be considered the insiders to the kingdom, those and the Gentile Christians 
And when we talk about Gentile Christians, it's probably wise for us to add our own name to that number because we're really Gentile Christians who came to faith in Jesus outside of Judaism. That was the specific problem, concrete issue Paul addresses here. This dividing wall that separated Jews and Gentiles in faith, much like a wall in Jerusalem that divided the court of the Gentiles and the court of the Jews at that holy temple in Jerusalem. I think Paul is alluding to that wall as sort of the dividing wall that separated the Jewish and Gentile Christians. That's the specific issue. But the issue of dividing ourselves from others, of building fences between us and those we do not like, goes far beyond that ages-old hostility that continues to exist, not only in places like Palestine and Gaza and the Middle East, it exists also within our own very lives. I mean, we don't have to look very far, even beyond our own backyard or back porch, to see or experience the hurtful ways we allow ourselves to be divided. Years ago, when I was serving as a pastor in Illinois, we had a learning experience with some folks who lived nearby. Truthfully, there was this tiny lot between our home and our neighbor's home in which others wanted to build a house. We had hoped to maybe just buy the lot ourselves, but we couldn't afford it. So somebody came in and bought the lot, and it was a tiny little lot, but they built this enormous house there. And once the new house was completed... The newcomers built a large, what they called privacy fence that stood between their deck and our neighbor's window. Now, just stop and think about that for a moment. You're used to looking out your kitchen window and seeing the yard and seeing the trees and the flowers and hearing the birds and everything. And now, all of a sudden, you have this huge fence just almost right up against your kitchen window. Well, our neighbors, before the fence was completed, said, can that be redesigned in some way? Maybe shortened just a little. We don't want to invade your privacy, but we'd kind of like to see the sun and the sky and the trees just, just above. But the neighbor said, no, uh-uh. we're going to build it just the way we want. We want our privacy. And not only that, but they built this large fence all the way around the circumference of their backyard. For me, it was a sad commentary on dividing walls and privacy fences that sometimes stand between those of us and those who would be our neighbors. But that may be a trite example. Because hostility or anger or resentment goes deeper than that, doesn't it? Sometimes it resolves unresolved in the human heart or the human mind for years and years and years. Some may take out their unresolved anger on someone else, however innocent she or he may be, or maybe even anger at oneself 
which often leads to depression. All right, so that's the problem. What do we do? What do we do if perhaps we and perhaps others we love find ourselves caught in the quagmire of enmity and hostility? Is there any message of hope to which we may cling? Well, Paul, of course, reminds us that there is. The evangelist and apostle, the great bearer of good news for the early church and for the church of late, gives us a message of hope that is centered in the person of Jesus. And at the risk of sounding a bit preachy here, let me add, it begins with God, it is shown with Christ, and it involves you and me. Paul naturally says it much better. He says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you, who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace and has broken down the dividing wall, the hostility between us. And yes, while he is talking about that dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles in the early church, his words are timeless, I believe. They're applicable for you and me. It begins with God, don't you see? When we remember that God is the giver and source of reconciliation. At its core, reconciliation is something we all need. It means, among other things, to bring about mutual change. Not one-sided, mutual change. God is the one who brings that change. God is the one who knows us even better than we know ourselves and can lead us toward the change we need and have to make within ourselves that draws us away from estrangement and draws us towards mutual understanding. William Sloan Coffin once said it this way, Peace, he said, always seems a weary way off. As Jeremiah lamented, we looked for peace, but no peace came. But to give up on peace, he says, is to give up on God. So it begins with God. It is shown through Christ who did an amazing work. Doubtless he knew he was hated even before the time that he preached and taught. And yet, what did Christ do? What did he say? When he died, what did he bring? Sinless, he died. Peace, he proclaimed. Salvation, he brought. Calvin put it this way, let no one who dwells in Christ entertain a doubt that he is reconciled to God. It begins with God. It is shown with Christ. It involves you and me. Yep, that's where you and I come in. It's cynical, I believe, isn't it, on our part, simply to accept estrangement or any hostility we may harbor as simply a part of human existence. 
folks, that's not the way we're made. And it's prideful, even arrogant for us to ask God to change someone else we believe to be wrong or simply to wait for someone to ask for forgiveness. Uh Uh-uh. Listen, I've done that. It doesn't work. You can do it, of course, but if you do, you'll find yourself on the outside looking in on the wrong side of the dividing wall that you've helped to build. No, this is what we need to remember and may do with God's help. You are no longer aliens or strangers, those who are not at home. Rather, you are citizens, members of the household of God, those whose real home is God. And funny thing is, and you'll not think it's funny when I tell you this, so also is that one with whom you are estranged. She or he is also a member of the household of God. What God brings and shows and offers is synonymous what saves us when everything is said and done. The Greek word is arene. The English word is peace. The Hebrew word, you know, shalom. When will there be peace? My friends, I think you already know. To God be all praise and glory forever and ever. Amen.